Good morning, First Baptist Church, iCampus viewers, church family. We're grateful that you're watching today. Let's worship together today. Sing the greatness of our God.
welcome church family and iCampus viewers. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us today. We want to connect with you. There is an online connection card we'd love for you to complete. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, there is a link. If you're watching on our website, just follow the link for the connection card. And there is also a prayer request card link as well. Pastor Stewart begins a new sermon series focused on the Lord's Prayer today. So have your Bibles ready. Sing with us. Turn that volume up because the name of the Lord will be lifted high today. Let's worship and sing together. At your Your name. 
Thank you for joining us today, church family, and we're committed to being live, and that means that sometimes there are struggles, so hopefully those of you who normally watch us on YouTube have found us on Facebook or the church website. Uh, we just want to make sure that our service is live, so you're worshiping with us as we're worshiping. We think that's important, and uh, we're glad that you're here today. I hope that you will take a moment to uh, be sure and continue to support the Lord's work through our church, through giving. You can do that online. You can do that uh, by dropping off your uh, offering sometime during the week, or you can do that by dropping your offering in the mail. We're grateful for the way that you as our church family are continuing to support the work of the church through this very challenging time. We want to go to the Lord now in prayer and seek his face as we celebrate the mighty God that we serve. Lord, we are so grateful that you are a God that is mighty, that is powerful, and yet at the same time cares about each of us in a very intimate and a special way. Lord, you are our Father. Lord, as we consider that truth today, we pray that you would draw us ever closer to yourself. Lord, that you would encourage and invigorate our faith and that you would help us through challenging times, that you would celebrate us through, with us through exciting times and that, God, you would do amazing things in and through us as we submit ourselves to you and you work through us. Lord, thank you for being our Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. And Lord, it's because of all of that that you are, we continue in worship of you now. We celebrate you, Lord. Speak to our hearts as we worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
When you're texting someone and they start to reply, dot, dot, dot appears on the screen. And those three dots mean one thing. Wait, something is coming. Right now, we're living in a season of dots. We're waiting. We're waiting to see what a reopen plan will look like. And then even once we'll be reopened, we'll be waiting to get things back to normal. Therefore, we're doing a lot of waiting. And over the next few weeks, the Lord has led me to talk about how we can most go through this period of time, how we can pray during this time of waiting, or how we can be praying through the dots. I think we would all agree that prayer is important. I also think we'd all agree that prayer is powerful. James 5.16 says in part, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. But have you ever stopped to ask, what does powerful and effective look like? What does that mean? How do you pray like that? Well, to help us, we're going to spend the next several weeks mining the depths of what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You know, instead of Lord's Prayer, a better title might be the Model Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer or even Our Prayer. Because, you see, this prayer was not a prayer for Jesus to pray. It was a model prayer for us to use as we pray. And so we're going to go through this model and learn how to pray in a powerful and effective way. You know, I'm very familiar with this prayer. In fact, at least the words of it I know very well. I spent the first eight years of my schooling in Catholic school, and we said this prayer a lot, a whole lot. But one thing that stuck out to me every time we would pray that is the way it sounded. In fact, even the priest led us in praying this prayer in a very ho-hum kind of manner. Add a couple of hundred kids going on with our Father who art in heaven. And I couldn't help but stop and think, surely there's more to this prayer than mindless repetition. Well, Fast forward eight years or so to my seminary days, and our president at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, Dr. Ken Hemphill, wrote a book entitled The Prayer of Jesus, which was based on this particular prayer. And Dr. Hemphill invited students to come to the taping of the study that would accompany his book. And Rebecca and I signed up to do that, and we enjoyed that study, and in that study and the reading of the book and even reviewing that book several times in the years since then, I've come to fall in love with the power and the depth of this prayer. It is divinely simple, and yet it is incredibly powerful. There is way more to this prayer than meets the eye, and if all you do is mindlessly repeat it, you are grossly missing out on the gift that Jesus has given us. As we prepare to dive into this text today and over the coming weeks, let's go to the Lord and ask him to guide and bless us as we do so. Lord, as we encounter this 
model prayer that you've given us. We pray that it would invigorate our praying during this time as we're praying through the dots. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray powerfully and effectively. Help us, God, to see you in a new way and for us to see ourselves in a new way and the opportunities around us in a new way. Lord, help us to learn during this season of waiting something powerful that will dramatically change our lives. Do it, Lord. Help us not to miss what you want to teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've had the questions. Daddy, can you fix this? Daddy, can I have some money? Daddy, can I borrow the car? Daddy, do you think this is the right decision? Depending on our age, we ask our dad a lot. I ask those questions of my dad. My, da- my boys are now asking those questions of me. And it is probably the ability to ask that I miss the most since my dad beat us to heaven. Questions roll off the tongues of kids to their loving fathers. We never doubt for a moment that our dads have the answer or can meet our need. Because of our confidence in their unconditional love for us, we receive both blessings and discipline from their hands, knowing that they have our best interest at heart. Now, I realize that not all of us have had good dads. Not all of us have had dads that were a part of our lives. But today, we're going to see that we pray to a loving and strong Heavenly Father. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, 9. Our text this morning is just the first three words in my translation. Our Father in Heaven. Okay, four words. (laughs) This is the opening salutation of the prayer. And the remainder of the prayer is composed in petitions, but everything else flows from these first four words, our Father in heaven. In Matthew's gospel, the prayer is included as part of a longer teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. We're familiar with that. And here, Jesus says his followers should not be like the hypocrites who love to parade their prayers. Rather, uh, there is a better way. And Jesus leads off into this prayer by saying this, this then is how you should pray. He doesn't say this is what you should pray. He says this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. From the outset, we find that prayer must begin with us moving our gaze off of ourselves and onto God. We do not run into God's presence with our needs or even the needs of others without first starting with Him. Let's take a moment and look at the three main words of this opening statement. And then we'll put them all back together and see what that means for us. The first word, our. If you read through the entire prayer, you'll notice there is no I, me, my, or mine. It is all our and us. Why is that? Does that mean that that we can never pray a personal request or a personal prayer to God? Of course not. 
What it means is the hour of this prayer reminds us that we're all in this together. Everyone around us has the same needs we do and needs the same blessings that we do. Therefore, when you pray with a mindfulness of community, then two things happen. First is selfishness is destroyed. One of the hardest lessons in life to learn is that it's not all about you. And when we go to prayer then, we've got to take our gaze off of ourselves and put our gaze on God. And when we do that, then we find that our needs prompt the prayers that we need to pray, not just for ourselves, but for others. So therefore, when I begin to pray for my son's healing of epilepsy, I'm reminded to also pray for my childhood friend who has cancer. While you're prompted to pray for your financial needs and your family, you are reminded to pray for those with great financial burdens right now during this time of pandemic. When you pray more our, we, and us, instead of mine, me, and I, you'll find selfishness destroyed. The second thing that you'll see is that blessings are multiplied. Blessings are best when they're shared with others. Think back when you got that favorite toy, whatever that was as a kid, or maybe right now. When you got that toy, you wanted to show somebody. You wanted to play with your friends with that toy because that made it even better. What about when you got that first car that you were so proud of? Didn't you want to go drive over to your friend's house, pick them up, and take them for a spin? Of course you did. Because the blessing was multiplied when you got to share it with others. That's what happens when we pray to our Father. When prayers are prayed with community in mind, the answers are much bigger and wider in scope than just you. When you see multiplied answers coming from your one prayer, you will be blessed even more. We're all in this together. It's not just a statement to be stuck behind a hashtag during this viral pandemic. It's a fundamental principle that was taught by Jesus more than 2,000 years ago. We're all in this together. And so we pray with the mindfulness of community. The next word is the word father. This is the most important word of that opening statement. The Greek word pater is likely translating the Hebrew word Abba. Abba for our Hebrew child was just like our daddy. It was a term of affection, a term of close relationship. Therefore, it would have stuck out to Jesus' largely Jewish audience. No Old Testament-minded Jew addressed God in such an intimate way. When the term father was used of God in Judaism, and we see that a few places in the Old Testament, it was more removed. It was more impersonal. In fact, even in the secular culture around Judaism at the time of the first century, the same was there. For instance, the Greeks thought of God as father in the same way as a king is the father of his country. Obviously, the relationship between a king and the subject is very far removed and distant. 
But Jesus said, pray like this, our Father, or literally, our Abba, our Daddy. To a Jew, addressing God as Abba, or in our term, Daddy, would not only have been improper, it would have been completely irreverent. And I suppose that could certainly be the case if you just storm in and say, hey, what up, Dad? But that's not what Jesus was getting at. You see, it wasn't just a flippant kind of exchange. It was a relational exchange. To call God Father or Daddy is not irreverent if you have the relationship. For instance, there are many children in our church But only two have the privilege of calling me daddy. Everybody else calls me Pastor Stewart or Brother Stewart or Mr. Stewart or Mr. Holloway or even Zach and Evan's dad. But I'm not daddy. At the same time, my two boys don't call any other man in the church daddy. They only call me daddy. That term comes, that that statement, that acknowledgement comes out of a relationship. A personal relationship that we have, the privilege of address, comes from the access of relationship. Obviously, Jesus had a close relationship with his heavenly Father. Addressing God as Father was characteristic of Jesus. In fact, uh, Jesus referred to God as Father some 43 times in Matthew, and 38 of those occurrences are accompanied by a personal pronoun. The only time Jesus didn't pray to God as Father and address him as Father was when Jesus prayed on the cross and he shouted out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, that was a very different moment when in that particular moment, that instant, Jesus became sin for us. And in that one moment, the Father had to turn his back on the Son because he could not look on sin and their relationship was temporarily broken. By encouraging us to pray our Father, in this one word, Jesus is telling us that we too can have access to the Father through him. Jesus was sharing his sonship with us. And that's incredible. John chapter 1 verses 12 to 13 says, To all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become Children of God. God is not the father of all men. He's the creator of all men. But he's only the father of those who are adopted into his family. He has one begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The rest of us get to be be invited into the family through adoption when we place our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we repent of our sins and we receive him as our savior and when we submit to him... As our Lord, we are adopted into God's family. And this privilege is available to us because of the amazing love of God. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called children of God. So you might wonder, how can I know if I am a child of God? Well, 1 John 3.10 says this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. 
Say it however you like. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, you can't deny that one. Children act like their parents. It's natural. In fact, even Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.1, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. It's as plain and simple as that. You're a child of God if you live for God. What a privilege to call God dad. To address God as our father settles all the other relationships in our life. It puts everything and everyone else in proper position and priority and perspective. But there's one more word in that little statement. Our father in heaven. Ken Hemphill says that Jesus is not talking so much about God's location as he is his authority. Not so much about where he lives as about what he can do. Because God is in heaven, he is above everything on earth. And so when we pray, we necessarily lift our eyes above the problems and, and the plans of this world and to the purposes and plans of God. If you want to get your eyes off the mess that you're in, then get your eyes on your Heavenly Father. Then you will get your focus off of this life that you feel stuck in and you'll be able to see the life you were created to live in Him earth isn't foremost heaven is maybe one benefit of this viral pandemic is that we will finally realize we need far more than this world can give us if a single virus can take everything away in one day then maybe we need to be looking for something else we need more and that more comes from god alone pray in this way jesus said our father in heaven this is not merely a formula of address like the superscription of a letter that makes sure that the letter gets from point a to point b that it gets delivered to the correct address this is the reality of god's character revealed to us he is our Father in heaven. That opening statement in prayer communicates two great truths. The first is that God loves us because He is our Father. And the second is that He is powerful because He reigns from heaven. So we have God's love as our Father and His power because He reigns from heaven. And these two features of God, His love and His power, are always together. I like how William Barclay explains it. He says this, The power of God is motivated by the love of God and therefore can never be exercised for anything but our good. Also, the love of God is backed by the power of God and therefore its purpose can never be ultimately frustrated or defeated. So love and power are always together and what a mighty way to begin our prayer realizing that we have that going for us because God is our father in heaven so how does this realization affect our prayers well a lot in fact I think this realization will revolutionize the way that we pray 
Because you see, if God is our dad, then we have his paternity. Because we are made by God, we are chosen by God, we're loved by God, we are then welcomed by God. Because he is our dad. We no longer have to uh, slaughter goats and lambs and pigeons and doves and all of these kind of things to approach God's throne. Nor do we have to run away from his presence when he comes because of sin that came into our life as Adam and Eve did. No. Now, because we're a part of his family, we approach the throne of God with boldness, with confidence. We're welcomed. Because prayer is the privilege of communication between a father and his child. And so if God is our dad, we have his paternity. But also if God is our dad, then we have his protection. Some time ago, my son was troubled because some kid at his school said that his daddy could beat me up. Now, I don't know the kid and I don't know his dad, so I don't know if the dude could take me or not. Probably could. But here's the thing. I know this. Hey, kid, my heavenly father can take your daddy any day. Because you see, we have God as our protector. We have nothing to fear. He told the people of Israel in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, Fear not, for you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. No matter what life bully we face, whether physical or spiritual, our dad can stand up to it. Moreover, bully, daddy is here. And he can take you. We have our dad's power on our side. When he walks up, the bullies walk away. If God is our dad, then we have his protection. Likewise, if God is our dad, then we have his presence. The reward of prayer is spending time in the Father's presence. And he'll always be there. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He told the people of Israel in Isaiah 49, 15... Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And obviously the answer to that rhetorical question is, no way. But then God continues, even if she may forget, I will never forget you. When we come to our Father in prayer, we are absolutely assured that we are in the holy, awesome, glorious presence of our Heavenly Father. If God is our dad, we have his presence. But also, if God is our dad, we have his peace. Did you know that five times in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to be anxious? Does anybody need that word today with everything that's going on? And do you know why Jesus could tell us not to be anxious? It's because we have a heavenly He's got this. He is the only one who can give us peace. He tells us that the way to have peace is to not focus on everything around us, but to keep our focus on him. Again, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast 
because he trusts in you. Our heavenly dad gives wonderful peace that passes all understanding. If God is our dad, we also have his perspective. You know, a lot of times perspective is everything, especially when it comes to facing problems. Don't you love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18? He says this, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because Paul says what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal see perspective is everything God helps us look above the temporary to the eternal and he helps us look from the eternal back down at the temporary and problems don't seem so large when you stand off and look way down on them when we pray Focusing our attention on our Heavenly Dad, we intentionally, we must lift our eyes beyond the struggles of this life and to Him. And suddenly we start to see things from His perspective. And the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of His wonder and grace. Even the most major things in human life are minor when viewed from the perspective of God. I mean, think about it. Even death, which I suppose is the greatest fear and heartache that any of us ever experience, is actually minor when it's viewed from God's perspective because it has been defeated by Jesus Christ. If God is our dad, then we have his perspective. And also, if God is our dad, then we have his provision. Children know their loving daddy. They know that their loving daddy will provide for their needs and a good many of their wants. Likewise, God's hand is full of blessings. And he wants to give those to us. He wants to bless and to, uh, to give us what we need. All he waits for us to do is to reach up like a kid to his loving father and ask and receive. We have his provision. Later in this chapter, Jesus tells us we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink or what we're going to wear because God provides all of that. Our heavenly Father provides all of that. And then Jesus says in Matthew 7, 9 through 11, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What do you need? Go to Dad. You have his provision. In many ways, we could go on all day listing different benefits of having God as our dad. In fact, when I was preparing for this message, I had many more than these six listed out with other scripture references. And perhaps an activity for your family this afternoon may be to sit down and say, hey, what are some other ways that God is our Heavenly Father? What do we have because of that relationship? And think about some texts through scripture that help to identify and verify that. 
But here's the main question. If we have all of this, if God is your dad, the benefits are endless. I mean, he is our father in heaven. He is full of love. He's full of power. Those two are always united. And they will always be united for the benefit of his child. So perhaps the most important question we can ask today is this. Are you his child? Is he your heavenly father? Is God your dad? I told you how to determine whether or not you are his. Are you acting like him? Are you living for him? Have you turned your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and been adopted into his family? If that's never happened for you, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. We don't have to meet in the sanctuary for you to make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that right there wherever you are watching this message. And you can do that simply by seeking the Lord in prayer and going to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you to come and to save me from my sins. And so, Lord, I repent of my sins and I I turn to you and I receive your forgiveness. At the same time, I give myself over to your lordship. I want you to be the boss of my life. I want you to call the shots from now on. And as I'm doing that, I'm grateful that I'm being adopted into the family of God. I'm a child of God, and I want to serve him for the rest of my life. I hope that you'll pray a prayer something like that and ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart today. Don't wait another moment to become a part of the best family that there is, God's family, the family where you can have everything that you need, and he'll always be there for you. Perhaps your earthly dad let you down in some big ways. I can tell you this. Your heavenly father will never let you down. He is a great, powerful, and loving heavenly father. And he wants a personal relationship with you. And he'd love for you to live that relationship out by being a part of a local church. Now, right now, that looks a lot different. But there's no reason why you couldn't become a part of our church today and join this fellowship and begin to serve the Lord. Right now, there's a decision form being placed on the live stream, and it's also available everywhere else this is being played. I'd love for you to take a moment and to fill out that form, giving us your information, letting us know about your decision, trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, wanting to become a a member of this church, or even sharing a prayer request so that we can have that and one of our pastoral encouragers can contact you this week and encourage you in your decision. We know that God's using this time in a very special way. And so we pray that he's bringing transformation in your life right now, wherever you are. May I pray for you as we prepare to wrap up this service. Our Father, we come before you and we're grateful that you are our loving and powerful Father in heaven. And because of that relationship, we come to you and we center our eyes on you. And Father, I pray that right now, Whoever is watching this, if they have not trusted you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that others would unite with our church family. I pray that still others would recommit their lives to you in serving you in a dynamic way so that, Lord, awakening and revival might spring up within the church of Jesus Christ. 
God, you are a great and powerful God. And Lord, we celebrate that fact today. And we say amen to you. Do a new work in our lives. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being with us during this time of worship, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you'll stand right where you are and you'll worship the great and mighty God that we serve. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice And trembles We're so grateful that you've been worshiping with us. Have a great week.